Hey, welcome to episode number 67 of More Than Bread. It's been 10 months and 10 days since episode number 66, but the next 40 to 50 episodes, starting with the Gospel of Mark, they're going to come a bit more consistently. So my name is Dan, Dan Nold. I'm your host for More Than Bread, and I'm also a pastor. I've been a pastor of Calvary Church located in central Pennsylvania for 28 plus years. Over the course of those years, I've developed a deep love and respect for the Word, for Scripture, for the Bible, and that's what led to this podcast. The first 42 episodes of More Than Bread took us through the whole New Testament, kind of a a quick overview. We took large chunks of Scripture and worked our way through the New Testament, and then in the next 24 episodes, number 43 through 66, we covered the Gospel of John. Now, for the next 25 to 30 episodes, we're going to do a deep dive into the Gospel of Mark. And and as we do these podcasts, we're just coming out of the Easter season, and I just thought, what a great time to just ponder Jesus for the next month or so. But for now, if you've already listened to the first 66 episodes, let me just remind you, or if this is your first taste, let me just inform you what this podcast, More Than Bread, is all about. I'm going to start with a story, and some of you have heard it. In fact, I've shared it a couple of times in the midst of this first season of podcasts, but it sets the stage, so let me share it again. It was Christmas 2008, the first year that our whole family went to Myanmar. Our church does a lot in Myanmar every year, except for the last couple of years we've gone. Uh, we haven't been back far too long, but but that year we were there for Christmas Day. And that Christmas Day, I had the opportunity to talk about Jesus, one of my favorite subjects and favorite people. I had the opportunity to talk about Jesus with about 1,500 Buddhist villagers. And, and not only did I talk about Jesus, but Calvary helped to feed them. We fed them that day, and in addition, gave them enough rice for two more meals. In fact, that was probably the main reason they came, since my preaching is not really a huge draw in Myanmar. They they received a box of cooked rice with two to three small pieces of meat. The meat was a luxury, and a small piece of bread. And they also received a bag of rice for future meals. After I shared my message as I helped with the food, I watched them stand in line waiting for food with this sense of urgency on their faces. When the word was given, I watched the crowd surge forward, pushing, shoving, knocking elderly people and small children to the ground as they grabbed their free food. They were so urgent. And and at first, I'll be honest, it kind of disappointed me. But then I remembered that they were hungry, right? And I, I realized that they were afraid that the food would run out. And, and as I stood there about 14 years ago, I remembered a, a Black Friday story that happened just before we left home. A 1,000-plus people standing in line to get a good deal on a high-definition flat-screen TV, stampeding through the doors, trampling and killing a temporary employee. Same urgency, just a different goal, right? We've all felt urgency at times, that that sense that something needs to be done right now, something's got to change, can't wait, got to do something. It's urgent. Let's be honest, the last 24 months have made a lot of stuff seem really urgent. Racial injustice, urgent. Political elections, urgent. COVID, urgent. Anxiety filling the hearts of the next generation, urgent. War in Ukraine, urgent. Military coup in Myanmar, urgent. Economy, urgent. Can't find baby food, urgent. And sometimes the urgent things crowd out the important things. But you know what I found? I found that if something isn't important... It probably shouldn't be urgent. And while many things could seem urgent, what actually becomes consistently urgent is whatever we think will bring us life and is missing. In other words, urgency is defined by hunger. 
urgency happens when we lack something for which we hunger. Now, now understand, when it comes to the cultures of the Bible, the people were more familiar with famine than they were with having much. (laughs) More familiar with famine than they were with fast food. They were an agrarian culture shaped by poverty, more like Africa than North America. And in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy when he says this, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Cannot live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the podcast title, More Than Bread. And we can hear those words and be tempted to think, of course, we must have peanut butter and jelly, not bread alone, mayo, honey steak, but Jesus wasn't thinking of having a diversity of food. In Jesus' day, bread alone was a usual meal. Bread was life. Without bread, there was no life. If Jesus had grown up in Myanmar, he would have said, you cannot live on rice alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, there is no life without the word of God. So we should be urgent about the word of God. You can be healed from cancer and not have life. We could work towards increasing measures of racial unity and still not have life. You could dive into social justice issues like sex trafficking and still miss life because we cannot live without the words that come from the mouth of God. At least that's what Jesus thought. So before we jump into the gospel of Mark, just ask yourself the question, what is my most urgent hunger? What is my most urgent hunger? See, I have two goals in these episodes as we go through the Gospel of Mark. The first is simply that we would read the book, or maybe in your case, listen to the book, listen to the scripture, read the Bible, specifically the Gospel of Mark. A lot of people have formed ideas about the Bible while never even reading it. I'd love for you to read some of it, or at least listen to me read some of it. Whether you believe in God or not, I'm eager for you to read some of the book. I believe that the Spirit of God will whisper life into your soul as you read the book. And secondly, from my perspective, even more importantly during this series on the Gospel of Mark, we're going to spend a few weeks just pondering Jesus. In fact, Jesus called himself the bread of life. John calls him the word of God made flesh. So a podcast entitled More Than Bread ultimately should be drawn to Jesus, right? Part of my desire in doing this More Than Bread podcast is that something within us would so awaken to the joy and peace and the strength that comes from being in the Word of God that any time we're given bonus time, our thoughts would go here because we're hungry for something more than bread. Now, you may or may not know it, but the Israelites, the Jewish people, the people of Jesus' day, were people of the book. I mean, if you know anything about their culture, you know they valued scripture, they valued the book. In his book, The Gift of the Jews, author Thomas Cahill asked the question, how did a tribe of desert nomads not only survive, but change the very way the world thought, felt, and acted? What distinguished it from all the other nations that no longer even exist? And the answer Cahill suggests is the book. Israel had a book. They called it the Tanakh. The sacred writings were called the Tanakh. When, when you get to the end of it, it's like you're clearing your throat. It's, it's from three letters. T is for Torah. N is the, for the Hebrew word for the prophets, Nadim. And K stands for Ketujim, which means the writings. All of that together forms the book. They were a people of the book. They, they had a book that told them about the one God, that he is the creator, that he's holy and kind and good and powerful. They had a They had a book that for the first time in the world said that human existence is not just an endless cycle. It's a story with a beginning and an end, and it's God's story. 
They had a book that told people how to live and more importantly, why to live. They had a book that said God created humanity in his own image, full of potential for beauty and wisdom and courage and generosity, but that humanity turned its back on God and the image was marred. They had a book that hinted at the end of the story that this God would come to redeem the brokenness of the world and restore the relationship between God and humanity. Sometimes if you read the Gospels, you may wonder about those first disciples' willingness to just drop everything and follow Jesus. It, it's because he was a rabbi. He was a, a teacher of the book. <laughs> and to have a rabbi invite you to follow him is like having a big league coach motion you over and say, hey, I think you've got what it takes. And this reverence for Scripture shaped the early life of the church as well. In fact, Paul said in Romans 3.1, what advantage is there then of being a Jew? And he says, his answer is much in every way. First of all, they have been entrusted with the very words of God. <laughs> in other words, they were people of the book. Rock bottomly, honestly, <laughs> how could you name your kid that? Can you imagine all the kids in middle school who just wanted to be able to say, yep, I hit rock bottomly today. <laughs> anyway, Rock tells the story of visiting Israel and sitting beside the Sea of Galilee while their guide reenacted a typical early Christian worship service. When they came to the part of the service during which people listened to the reading of the Bible, their teacher walked to the ancient ruins of a closet where the sacred scrolls of the Torah have been stored. And, and he took out an imaginary scroll. Just imagine this. Picture this in your mind. Be there. As the people clapped in unison, he began to dance the Torah dance. While he was weaving his way through the congregation, the people imitated the early church worshipers by putting their hands to their lips and then touching the sacred scroll as he passed by, thereby kissing the sacred words of God. As the teacher made his way back to the front, everyone would stand and, and then he'd read the words of scripture. When he was done reading, he would declare, these are the very words of God. Rock writes, this is why they clapped with excitement. This is why they kissed the scroll. This is why the reader danced. This is why they stood in hushed silence while the scriptures were read. This is why they listened with eager anticipation. God was about to visit them. They were a people of the book. So before we go to Mark's gospel, let me just remind you of what we found in John's gospel almost a year ago, if you um, listen to that. And if you haven't, go back and listen to the rest of the episodes of this podcast, um, all the ones going through the New Testament and, and John as well. But in, in John's gospel, we cannot read the beginning of John's gospel. We cannot read his beginning for all it's worth without imagining John steeped in the tradition and honor of the book of scripture and then writing these words. John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The psalmist says the word is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's active and alive, Paul will say later on. It sets the lines of our life and it shapes our hearts, but there's more because it's not just a book. The word became flesh, John wrote, lived in our midst. In other words, the, the word of God is the son of God. Jesus is the word of God. It's not just about a book. It's about a person. It's not just about knowing the truth. It's about loving the one who is true. It's not just about discovering the way to live. It's about finding the author of life. Listen, we don't value Christ if we don't value the word. I've seen time and time again when people who love Jesus fall out of love with his word. Over time, they will fall out of love with Jesus. 
St. John calls us to be a people of the book in love with the word. Don't study scripture and miss Christ. I mean, is that what Jesus is saying later in John 5 in verses 39 through 40? He was talking to a group of religious leaders, people of the book, and he said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me, and yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. It's almost like there's this connection that goes beyond metaphor into the land of the mystical, a connection between Jesus, who is called the Word, and the Word which we call our Bible. It's almost like God speaks, and every time he opens his mouth, Jesus comes out. Can't love Jesus if we don't love the Word. So here's what I want you to do for just a few moments. I want you to imagine that you're with Jesus right now, whatever you're doing. Maybe it's early morning, late at night. Maybe, maybe you're outside. You know, you're sitting by a fire in a little cabin or, or taking a walk in the afternoon as the leaves are turning color. I love fall in Pennsylvania. Imagine you have a cup of coffee in hand, plain black coffee, because Jesus don't do latte, double whip, mocha, peppermint, wimpy, sweet drinks. There's, there's no chai, kai, whatever they call it in heaven. Imagine walking through a vineyard, it's evening, and and you don't know it, but Jesus is sharing his last words with you before he dies on a cross. That's a season that we just celebrated, the days leading to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. John John 14 through 17 contain Jesus' locker room talk before you go out and play the most important game in your life. And he's talking about breakthrough in life. And in the space of about five minutes, he uses the word remain at least 10 times. In the days to come, That word echoes in your mind, remain. If you want breakthrough, remain. If you want to love Jesus, remain. The Greek word translated remain is the word meno. It means to take a stand against difficult circumstances. But but it was also used to refer to relationships, close, intimate, authentic, personal relationships. So maybe the sense of the word meno is to stick close even when it's difficult. So Jesus is walking with his friends and he's thinking about the days to come. We we talked about this in the Gospel of John. Stuff that's going to happen that his friends don't comprehend yet. He's he's thinking about how hard life is going to seem and how confused they might get. He's thinking about the anxiety of not knowing combined with the darkness of grief and depression. Isn't it a lot like our days? And he says in John 15, 4 through 9, Remain in me and I will remain in you for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, nothing. You you can't do anything. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, my Words remain in you. You can ask for anything you want, and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as my Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Stick close to my love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stick close to me. Let my words stick close to you, even when it's difficult, even when it gets boring, even when life gets busy. Stick so close to me that you are in me. So what does sticking close look like? Well, first it means we hang on his every word. Do we hang on his words? 
Listen, I, I use Bible Gateway online and version reading plans. I have a dozen or more different translations of the Bible on my Kindle Fire and computer. And, and even though I gave up my smartphone, I've got the New Testament audio downloaded on my flip phone so I can listen to the Bible. But can I suggest, I know this is a little bit old school, but there's just something about holding this book and writing in this book. It, it, it carries the most complete record of, of how and where I've hung on his words. Three times I've read my Bible all the way through. I've highlighted in a different color. So blue, green, and yellow are three different times. I I go to Ephesians, and it's so dog-eared and coffee-stained. I can't go to that book without thinking of all the times that God has spoken to me. In some places in the book, I've written the names of people on my prayer list, or people I needed to forgive, or people I hurt. In other places, it's lines and stars, sometimes a thought I wanted to capture. Because sometimes when God speaks over time, what he speaks over time is just as important as what he's speaking right now. And if his words are a treasure, I should still remember one. I should have a record of it, even decades after I found it. Do you hang on his words? Can you still remember where you were and what he said that first time? Do you hang on his words? Are they like life to you? Beth Moore had a couple of hang-on-his-word tweets uh, in the last month or so. She wrote, we're missing so much, running so fast. We're missing abiding and steeping in God's love, and it shows. We're running from the one we need most in the whole world. We're slapping band-aids on hemorrhages and teaching all those under our influence to do the same. You can't walk with God running from him. He's the Lord who heals us. He's the bread who fills us. Slow down. (laughs) We need to hang on his words daily. We need to listen and learn, and and that will lead to trusting in his love. So that's why. Let me tell you the what. A few pragmatic notes about our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Number one, there are 16 chapters, but there'll be more than 16 episodes. We we might even hit 30 episodes. Mark is the shortest gospel, but it's jam-packed full of good stuff. Number two, I'll read the chapter we're in each episode or the passage that we we look at. In fact, I'll read that whole passage twice each episode, once at the beginning and once at the end. You're going to hear the Gospel of Mark a lot. At the beginning of the podcast, I'll read from the New Living Translation. I'll make a few comments as we go, and then I'll, I'll take 10 to 12 minutes to dive a bit deeper into one section of the chapter with some devotional thoughts and, and, and application. And after that, I'll read that second passage, that second section of scripture again from a paraphrase, usually something like the message or the passion paraphrase. You you may be thinking, what's the difference between a translation and a paraphrase? Well, typically, a translation is an effort by a team of linguists, biblical scholars and historians to make a word-for-word or sometimes thought-for-thought translation from the Greek text into the English. On the other hand, a paraphrase is often the work of one person or a small team with a bit less regard for the academic work, putting it in in common language in a way that will connect and move us. I use translations for study, and I often use a, a paraphrase for devotional reading. So it'll be reading devotional thoughts and ending with reading from a paraphrase and, and then a, a prayer for you. I'll, I'll drop five episodes every week. Monday through Friday. Saturday will be a day to catch up or reread, re-listen, and then Sunday is a day off. Finally, you'll hear me often talk about three words. It's how I approach scripture. We listen, we learn, and we lean. We listen to the text, perhaps even the voice of God through the text. We learn 
principles and promises, the character of Jesus, how he lived and loved. But the listening and learning isn't really of value till we lean. We, when we lean, we apply, we surrender, we do the word, we follow, we remain connected. So episode number one is done. Next up will be an intro to the gospel of Mark. I'm looking forward to our Jesus journey, maybe even more than you are. So let me pray for you. Father, I pray that we would learn over the course of these coming days and weeks to remain in Jesus, to remain in Jesus, that that we would learn to to, to be with him and to invite him in even to our our teaching, our reading, our listening, our learning, that, that, that we would come to him and surrender to him, and that in the midst of Scripture, all the way through the New Testament, that, that Jesus would be the goal and that we would treasure our time in the word. I pray for everybody listening. Would you bless them? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.